Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural, the first episode of the Three Putt Podcast. I am Lucas Rodriguez, and with me today is my co-host. Yeah, I'm I'm Zach Bragg. Glad to be here, man. It's gonna be fun. It is definitely going to be fun. So I guess we'll start off with um, explaining a little bit about ourselves. Um, as I said, my name is Lucas. And um, I guess we want to give it a little bit of our, our golf background. Maybe you can start first, Zach. Yeah, sure. So so basically, I'm Zachary Bragg. Um, you know, Lucas and I started started this podcast because we figured it'd be good to have, you know, some content out there where you guys see the perspective of, you know, kind of your mid-handicapper, amateur golfer, you know, guys who aren't pros, not necessarily bad golfers, not necessarily, um, you know, guys who you would, you know, look to for, um, let's like lessons, right? But, but guys who, who have been around the game for quite a while and guys who have a pa- passion for the game. Um, and so that's why we created the podcast, but a little bit about me. Um, so I started playing golf actually in high school. Um, I played on the high school team. Um, I played for one year there and fell in love with the game. Wasn't very good, but I fell in love with the game. Um, kind of fell away from it for a little while coming out of school. Um, you know, you just get busy. Um, now I am a full-time personal trainer. Um, I decided I kind of fell back in love with golf and I decided to go get my TPI, um, which is a Titleist Performance Instituted um, certification, which allows me to train golfers for strength and conditioning. So as a personal trainer, I now train some some pretty high level um, golfers, actually, um, some pretty high level amateurs, um, some mini golf tour guys, some guys who are trying to get on the senior tour, um, some pretty big names. So, you know, I'm around the game quite a bit now. And with that being said, um, it kind of redeveloped my passion for the game. Um, so, you know, right now I'm a mid handicapper. I'm around probably 15, I would say, maybe 14, 15. Um, but, you know, constantly striving to be better. Um, playing well was playing quite often um so that's basically where i'm at i'm a you know i'm a tpi certified coach been around the game quite a while now and uh and just just love the sport itself um how about you lucas uh, could you give us background on you yeah so i'm with you there i i love the game as well um i'm not as uh deeply rooted in the game i don't that's not part of my profession or anything um i just simply play because i like the sport um, I started probably about a year ago, and I didn't really get into it until I really started taking lessons. And I did um, I did do lessons for a little bit, and that kind of helped me to see the different parts of the game and really understand a lot more about it. And it just made me love the game even more. Um, of course, I'm not like on tour or anything. I'm probably about an 18, 20 handicap. Depends on the day, honestly. But I just love the game, and I think that's something that we have in common, which is why we're going to provide a lot of great content for you guys um, through this podcast. We're just going to be able to talk about a lot of different things um, about golf, whether it be from tours to um, different courses that we may play, different guests. We're going to have a lots of different things that we can provide and even different perspectives with someone that's in the field of golf, training people for strength and conditioning, as opposed to someone who just plays for fun. So we're going to get a lot of different perspectives on golf. Exactly. So, so you know, as to content, why, why you guys should listen, kind of just branding ourselves. Um, 
you know, we're, we're hoping to get as many guys on here as possible, as many guests on here as possible. So you guys can hear from, from players. Um, obviously everyone wants to hear from the pros. You want to hear from, from Tiger, what he has to say about the game or from Phil or from Brooks or from Jordan. You want to hear these guys, but at the same time, there's so much more to golf than just the pro tour, right? There's so many, um, there's so many other tours. Um, you have your guys who are weekend warriors. You have your guys who are trying to get on tours. You have your high school players, your college players. So we're going to try to have as many um, of these guys on as possible. Not necessarily always the tour players. Of course, we'd love to have those guys on. But there's so much more to golf, and, and that's what we think is that there's so much more to it. Um, and being where we're at, we, we're, we live in Florida, um, South Florida specifically. So we're kind of at a main hub for golf. Um, so, you know, we both kind of grew up around the game, not necessarily that we loved the game at a young age, um, not necessarily that we played, but we've always been around the game because of where we live. And so with that being said, um, we're around a lot of very good players. Um, a lot of very good players live in these areas. So we're hoping to get as many of those guys on. And then like Lucas said, just talking about, um, you know, the different courses that we, that we play, um, what are good courses, um, what are good, you know, maybe clubs in the future for mid handicappers for your everyday golfer. And then, and then different guys will have on too as well. Yeah. I think we have a lot of people that, um, that we play with or that we're good friends with that range from some poor golfers to some really solid golfers. Some maybe even that have played on something like the mini tour. I think we have a lot of different, um, perspectives that we're going to get on the show with our guests. And um, I, there's a lot to talk about with golf, honestly. There's, everybody views the game differently. Yes. Whether you view it as just a hobby, right. whether you view it as a profession for someone like a teaching pro or a playing professional, or even someone that just goes out once every six months, whatever it may be, everyone has a different point of view. And I think that's why there's so, much, uh, so many options to talk about with golf is, what do you think? What does this person think? What does that person think about any given matter? everyone will have a different idea and they're none of them are wrong because it's all how they see the game, which is why there's so much to offer. Exactly. So, so whether you're new to golf, um, you know, kind of like us in a sense, I mean, we've only been playing for a few years, so I guess you could still say we're, we're pretty new, but whether you're new to golf or you've been playing for years, our, our hope is to either uh, continue to develop, to develop a passion for you guys or to either start that passion and, and see why you should keep playing this game. Um, it's not always about being becoming a pro or having to be perfect at the game. Um, golf is not a perfect game. And so that's why we named our podcast Three Putt. Um, because, you know, who, no matter who you are, you're going to have a three putt every now and again. And you may hate it, Absolutely. but you're going to love our podcast for it. So, you know, kind of starting out with this, um, you know, Lucas, maybe you could go go into detail or, or expand on what the current state of golf is with the, uh, with the coronavirus right now. So here's what's so amazing about golf is that everybody's in the same boat. We play the same courses that tour pros can play. And right now we're in the same boat as these tour pros. Everybody's stuck at home. We all want to get out and play, but we can't. And so there's a lot of different things going on. Like, there's factors of whether or not you're going to be rusty when you get back. Will the tour resume? How will these events be played? Will there be fans? There's so many different things going on with golf right now that the current state of golf is kind of just chaos, even though there's nothing going exactly, on. Right. 
I think a lot of people are confused as to what it's going to hold for the yeah. future. And so I, I would love to hear your opinion on actually how it's going to play out after maybe this coronavirus. Is That's a great question. You know, I was thinking not only for golf, but just for society. I mean, things are going to really change just our views on sanitation, you know? Um, I mean, like, <laughs> are we even going to shake hands again? I was just talking about this with a client today who I went, um, who I was talking to. Um, and he was like, he doesn't even think we're going to be shaking hands for the next two years. Right. And that's kind of a big part of the whole, um, concept of golf is having this, this gentleman, like, um, this gentleman, like view to it. Um, but I, I think as to an effect on, on golf itself, um, specifically, specifically a, an effect on tour, I think it's going to change at least for the next year, how the tour how the tours are going to be played. Cause I don't think we're going to have an audience. I don't think we're going to have, um, you know, fans, fans aren't going to be there for the first couple, couple rounds, at least for the first couple um, tournaments. Um, I was just listening to um, Brooks Kepka today. He was talking about how different tournaments um, will be affected by that because, you know, these guys, they go play, they go play Augusta um, or they, you know, they go play, a major and they kind of thrive off of the fans, um, you know, their energy. So I think that that's going to affect those guys big time. And not only that, I think it's going to affect a lot of, a lot of players are going to be kind of introduced to golf with this whole thing. Only because if you go online right now, everybody's stuck at home and we're seeing a lot of guys do these trick shot videos. We're seeing these everywhere. And so, you know, you get just a random person who's never played golf or a random kid who's never played golf and they see the trick shot video and they're stuck at home. And then, you know, you can go, you can pick, you can still buy a golf club right now. You can go to your nearest sports store and pick up a golf club for 10 bucks at a chipper and then, um, and then practice a trick shot. And that's going to kind of get them introduced into golf. So I think it's, it's going to be good for the game in a sense that it's going to introduce some, some new people into the game. It's also going to be good for the game in the sense that it's going to help a lot of people with their mental game. Um, but it's also going to greatly affect the tour in the sense for the next two years, because I don't know how fans fans are going to react and if fans are going to even be at the at these tournaments. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a long temporary change, but it's going to be definitely temporary. I think events may start to resume as normal. However, almost all the sports are in the same boat. Yeah, right? that's true. Fans make the experience. And for guys like Tiger who thrive off of that with like club twirls, guys like JT, those guys are going to miss that. Now, does it affect their ability to play? Absolutely not. They're still insane golfers. However, I do think that that's going to be a factor on people winning majors, guys that get momentum. And I also, I was thinking how it could even affect golf courses that you and I play. Like how many more of these courses are going to start pushing guys walking? That's a good course. Point just so that they don't have to have that interaction, maybe with a random person joining a group of three, how many more people are going to start walking courses or how many of these cups are going to stay upside down like they are now in some of the courses that are still open. It's going to be a long lasting effect, even if it's not permanent, but I do definitely think that there's a lot of impact. And I mean, even on our games, there's not necessarily much we can work on other than staying mentally right and of course physically right with our bodies making sure we're still like working out and all that but i mean i think mental game is going to be huge after this. i think you you know you bring up a lot of a lot of great points to expand on i mean 
walking a course versus versus the golf cart. I mean, that's just just something we're going to expand on in the future. Um, you know, being paired up with somebody versus playing with guys that you normally play with. That's something we're going to talk about in the future. But let's kind of expand on right now um, in this first podcast. I think it's a great time to expand on the mental game of golf, right? So right now being stuck inside, um, of course, there's a physical, there's a technique point to the game. And l- let's, let's kind of talk about your, your, your golfer who's just starting the game. So you have a guy who, let's say, is introduced through this whole thing, and he, let's say he's about six months into his game, and he's going to the range three to four times a week, um, playing once a week, um, kind of like kind of like what we were doing. You know, we, we would play once or twice a week and then go to the range two or three times a week. What, how, how much do you think of the game is mental versus how much do you think the game is, is technique or physical? And, and how much do you think of that? should a player focus on? So right now, keeping that mental game strong is going to be huge, especially when we're returning to Mm -hmm. playing golf because our swings may be rusty. Yeah, you don't really lose that solid technique that you learn. That's kind of muscle memory. That'll come back really fast. But I think making sure that you're in a position to forget those initial bad shots and recover from them mentally as opposed to hitting those better shots on the next shot is going to be huge for scoring well after exactly this. i i agree completely so you know being being with my background in in strength and conditioning it's a lot it's a lot of physical but 60 to 70 percent of that is mental because your body will give up much quicker than than um or excuse me your mind will give up much quicker than your body will Right. So, so right when your mind wants to quit or wants to give in, your body's ready to keep going. So that just kind of attributes to golf in a sense, because your mental game, you will give up mentally, but in reality, you're able to make that next shot. Right. So, you know, you just hit a drive or let's say you're on hole 16 and sure, you're just a mid handicapper, but you're on your way to one of your best games and you're coming off a horrible hole, a double bogey. And you had just, you know, you have a couple birdies, a couple pars, you're having one of the best games. Even for a mid-handicapper, how important is it to have your mental game um, up on the highest level? Even if even if your physical, your technique game is not on that highest level, how important is it to have your mental game on that high level? Um, even when you're just playing like a regular round, um, wh- what do you think? Oh, I think that's huge because... I mean, like you said, even in even in strength and conditioning, um, a big percentage of that is making sure that your mind is right. I mean, telling yourself, okay, well, sure, I may have just chunked that shot 30 yards, but the next one I'm going to stick it to 10 feet. And you probably will hit a much better shot if you're telling yourself, listen, I'm going to recover from this. I'm going to still score. Okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? I make double, I make a bogey, whatever it may be. You can recover from that from the next hole. Oh, you're golden because that's the key from to scoring well is progressively getting better. It's not saying, well, I made a double. Looks like I might make a triple on this this long par three or whatever it may be. I think telling yourself that you're going to do better is half the battle to actually making that better shot, sinking that long putt, whatever it may be. I think half the battle is getting past that. I agree block. completely, and, and I couldn't agree more. Just because 
you know, so, so many players, you know, they talk about that. Um, but, but with this being said, um, you know, with the mental game being so important, obviously technique is, is huge, especially if you're just starting, you want to make sure you have the, the t technique of the game down. Um, but how many times do you see these, these players who have gorgeous swings, um, guys like, um, Adam Scott or guys like, um, Jordan Spieth, you know, guys who have really good looking swings versus a guy like John Rahm or a guy like, like Brooks Kepka or a guy like Ricky Fowler and their swings aren't exactly, um, you know, what your instructor would tell you, you want to look like necessarily, but they're excellent golfers. And so much of that is attributed to a mental game. Um, you know, these guys, they just rely on being athletic, staying focused, being competitive, and they play excellent golf. And I think that's, that's a, that's a, right. that's such a good, great point for people who are just starting out the game. Um, because, as much as as much as doing work on the range is important, I think doing work on walking up to your next shot and being able to say, "Okay, I know I just hit a bad shot, or I know I'm coming off a bad shot or a bad hole, but I can hit this next shot. I have the ability to, and I'm about to right now." Right. So having that positive outlook that I can do anything, that mental game, um, I think that's hugely important to the game of golf. So with this being said. How important do you think it is to, you know, just kind of before, before I ask this question, a little background on us, I was hitting the range probably, probably two to three times a week before the virus. Um, and then probably hitting the course maybe once, once, maybe twice a week. How often were you um, doing the range? How often were you playing? Yeah. So I was playing probably nine holes once or twice a week. So I was playing at least 18, probably once a week and I was definitely going to the range two, three times a week, depending um, on the schedule. But I mean, I think that, I think you hit a really good point where uh, with talking about new players and telling themselves, like even setting realistic expectations is part of that mental game, right? The player that's playing for their third, fourth time, or even just starting out lessons is not gonna go to the course and make four or five birdies. They're not gonna make consistent pars realistically they're going to make a bogey almost every hole and i so i also think that being realistic about your score contributes to that mental game uh that's just a point i had in mind now going back to like hitting the range and stuff i yeah i was hitting i was hitting it consistently so this is going to be a, a pretty big shake up yeah. for both of our games even though we weren't playing every exactly. day of course we were we were hitting the ball consistently so our technique was staying in shape yes so what do you think First of all, what what shot shape do you play, Lucas? What 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 right now? Um, of course, we have the whole virus going on, and we haven't been able to play in a little while. But what what right now is your go to shot shape? So my go to is probably a cut because I think it's easier to work the ball. However, I was pretty I was pretty drilled when in when in my lessons that oh draw is ideal a draw is ideal. And I, as much as my instructor may have been right about trying to hit a draw in the beginning and trying to learn a draw, I do think a cut mm. is more workable. I think you can do a lot more variations mm. in your shot, work yeah. the ball around corners instead of being stuck with something like 
a really big draw where you kind of have to like compensate for almost a hook. I do think that 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 ideal is cut. Dude, that's that's, that's exactly. I couldn't agree more. So, how many instructors do we see? You've had lessons, right? I've had lessons. Um, and, and like you mentioned, who was you know? You don't have to know his exact name, but who was your instructor? Do you do you know? Do you remember who he was? Yeah, so he was a uh, he was a man that at a course that I play at consistently, and his name was Marty, and he was an older man. He was really solid at teaching. He was a great teacher. He he used a lot of um, patience, and he he said, "Now you don't have to hit the ball here, or just swing with your eyes closed." He used a lot of different instructional methods that really helped me develop. So I definitely appreciate taking lessons with him. He was, did a solid so, job, but. Do you, he preached to you mainly though that you got to hit a draw? Absolutely. That, that was that was throughout the lessons he wanted me to hit a draw. So I think sure. so many players can relate to this. When I had lessons, um, I've had lessons from many different players. Um, I've had a lesson from a tour from tour pros, from to, former tour pros, um, from guys at pretty big private courses near me. Um, I don't want to name their specific names because I don't want to make anybody um, feel bad, but, but same, same boat. Um, they've always preached that a draw is the best shot to hit, except for one of them. One of them did say you should be happy with hitting a cut. And so just to go on this, um, cause I agree with you. I, I think both of us are in the same boat and um, that being happy with hitting a cut, it was something that I hated when I first started playing golf. And the reason why is, let me ask you this, how many players when they first start, what, it, what shot do they normally hit? Like what, what, if they're on the first tee, what normally happens to their first shot? Oh, well, I mean, I hate using this word, but exactly. it's a massive slice. It's usually <laughs> exactly. so right. For those guys listening who um, are just starting out with golf, you're hitting a massive slice right now and you probably can't stand it. Um, maybe you've had a lesson and it goes badly and your instructor tells you aim way left so that the ball slices and comes back from the fairway. But in reality, you were aiming over the whole 16 and um, it's not really that satisfying, <laughs> right? You know, in reality, yeah, your right. ball traveled, you know, whatever, 10 seconds in the air, but it only went 180 yards. So you're losing a ton of distance. But so you try to correct that, which is where I, what's the boat I was in. I, the boat I was in was – I had, a, I had a slice. Um, basically, your upper body is working more than your lower body. You don't know how to quite recruit those muscles to use the floor for power. Um, but basically, I was trying to work that. And then what happens is eventually you do fix it. If you, if you try hard enough, you will fix that slice. Um, and it, eventually, it will turn into a straight ball. And then you'll get so far in time, and that straight ball will slowly turn into a hook. For some reason, it never quite turns into the draw you want. And it tends to turn into right. a hook. Yeah, and I have funny. to say, because right now specifically, um, at least before this whole virus hit, I was struggling with a really, really bad hook that I could not control. Like when I tell you, I feel like I struck the ball perfectly and I looked up and the ball was hooking as hard as possible, duck hooking left. I was so frustrated. So now looking back, there was a time when I had the ball, not necessarily slicing, um, maybe going straight, playing a little bit of a cut. And I have more of an appreciation for that shot because um, one is I could control it. 
And two, when I felt like I hit the ball well and I looked up, it was still going in the place I wanted it to be. Whereas I feel like as a mid-handicapper or a newbie or an amateur, uh, a uh, playing a draw, you could look up and it could be hooking, right? And it could feel it could still feel right. So I feel like that's just very frustrating, you know. Um, so so I think that's that's a very good point. Being able to play a cut. Um, what do, what do you think? Yeah, I do think cuts are super workable. You know, it's actually interesting. Um, if you look at a lot of these courses, like like high quality courses, courses like Augusta National that the Masters is played at, I mean, those courses are very yeah. workable with the cut. And I think that's why you're seeing a couple more, uh, a lot more frequently tour pros playing cuts even. Um, I also think that it's relative to each person. As much as I may like a cut and you may like a cut, someone who's hitting a natural draw may think, you know what, that's the shot shape for that's me. I'm just going to roll with it. So I think it's relative to each person. However, a course may totally suit one shot shape or another. So it might be nice to have each one in the bag. Of course, that's something that we might want to work on. But I personally think that courses suit cuts. And I think that it's the that's most a, um, That's a really good point. And, and we were talking about this the other day, and I kind of want to bring this up. Do you think that some courses, some of these big, big courses that, um, you know, these guys are playing on the tour, we, we were talking about this, that so many players and so many instructors and tour pros, a, a draw is really the shot shape you want. And that's what everyone preaches, that you want to hit a draw. And then so many of these tour pros you see hit a draw. Do you think courses have changed around the, the style of, um, of conditions to make a cut more favorable? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, of course, courses are being changed each year. And I think that the pros have gotten so good at hitting that draw, with the exception of a couple that always would hit a cut. I think that they're switching to more that cut-based course where you can play that fade and put the ball perfectly in position as opposed to hitting a draw and you might end up out of bounds. So I think it's, it's, a, it's not only aiming to challenge the pros to hit more of a cut, but I also think that the cut is a pretty workable shot shape for, that, for the average pro that's playing professionally. I do think that there's a couple of factors that go into that I, course I, development. I, that's, really, that's a really interesting point. Um, and I think that's really cool because I think that's that's going to help a lot of golfers realize that, you know, you hit a shot and and so what? It's it's maybe cutting a little bit right. Um, it, it may feel like it's not the shot you want because it's not the shot everybody has. You know, everybody talks about how you should have the draw and you're hitting a cut. And I can relate to that the most because I hated that shot, but now I have such an appreciation for it. So I think that's a good point to bring out now, um, especially, you know, it's the first podcast we're doing, but... For many intro golfers, um, it's okay to be hitting a cut. Um, the ball is going to still end up where you want it, just about. And I feel like, too, you'll be able to control your distances a lot better as well. Um, you know, with a draw, the ball obviously carries a lot further. Um, you're putting topspin on the ball. So I feel like with a cut, you'll be able to control your distance um, uh, much better. So... I think you're onto something there for sure with the controlling of the distance. I think that's so a really what, good point. What is, what is the part of the game that you were working on most? You know, we're, we're talking about the mental game of things, um, 
shot shape. We're talking about intro golfers, how how they should be how they should be thinking about their shot shape. What part of the game, kind of almost being an intro golfer, Lucas, um, what part of the game were you working on the most? So I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this because my my woods, my driver, my uh, my three wood, and even my irons from four to P wedge, um, they were mm-hmm. they were pretty solid. I mean, I was hitting them straight. I wasn't really missing like far right or far left. I just needed to dial in my short game. And that's what I was really working on. When I went to the range, I would only hit a few shots to warm up, actually hitting full swing irons, full swing driver. I would mostly work on putting and chipping. And that's what I was really trying to trying to get solid before the, the that's, courses shut down. That's that's I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat because um, the driver obviously is a bigger face. Um, so you can hit it a lot. Well, generally, you can hit it a lot better. Um, sometimes you have those guys who have that wicked slice just starting out, but a bigger face, you can tend to hit it a lot better. Um, and then a lot of guys struggle with, with chipping and putting and they don't even realize it. I personally was on the opposite end. Um, I, I felt pretty comfortable hitting chips and hitting putts and my, my short game, you know, 100, 120 yards in, I was pretty comfortable with, um, I was working on mostly driver, what are some things, Lucas, that you, you, you've been doing to, with the coronavirus, with being quarantined? And I'm sure a lot of people are in the same, same boat as us being quarantined. What are some things that you've been doing to, even though we can't get to the range and we can't go out and play, what are some things that you've been doing to continue to work on that? So it's actually kind of funny. My brother, who also plays golf, um, he, he makes fun of me all the time because my room, my rug in my room, has automatically become my putting surface. <laughs> I am just trying yeah. to figure out how to putt. And that he laughs at me all the time. But, I mean, I, I got to try and dial it in somehow during quarantine. And it was just – it was bad. I, I wasn't making putts. I was three-putting a lot. Um and it was just frustrating. So I'm trying to still be able to do that. I mean, if short game was your problem, you might still be able to do that if you have like a yard and you can chip in the yard or if you have something that you can use. Some people have may have indoor putting mats, whatever it may be. I think short game is the easiest actual <laughs> physical part of the game to be able to still dial in because, I mean, we're not going to be able to go outside and hit full swing drivers. So Short game is definitely something that we can keep in practice, but I was working on short game. What might you be able to do um, to keep your swing dialed in since you that's were working a great, on full um, swing drivers? That's a great point. So a couple things I've been doing. Well, first of all, I was really struggling. And sorry, I might be getting some dings right now. But um, I was really struggling with a um, uh, really bad duck hook. So basically what's happening, if you want to know the techniques of it, your, your lower body's working almost faster than your upper body. And it's not always a situation, not always, but in my situation, my upper body was, or my lower body was moving faster. My, my upper body wasn't moving with it. Um, my club was getting too, too far behind me and I was hitting this duck hook. So one thing that I've been working on is there's some really good wall drills that you can do. So basically rather than my, my takeaway was too far inside, not enough on plane, um, so I, I've been doing a lot of takeaway drills 
And also, I've been doing a lot of grip drills, which I feel like has helped me a ton. So my first ever instructor would always would always nag me about my grip. And it was really annoying because, you know, grip is such a small part of the game. It feels like such a small part of the game. And you're like, I don't want to worry about grip. I want to worry about hitting bombs and chipping rock. Right. But um, actually, it's been a really good time for me to take a step back and be like, okay, let me let me focus on the small parts of my game that I have never really took time to notice. So I've been working on my grip and making sure that my left hand is not too strong and and making sure that my right hand is not too weak and make sure everything's even, making sure my takeaway is on plane, not too far inside. And then I use a wall to make sure that um, my, my hips are not firing basically too quickly and that the club is, is staying on plane. Um, and there's tons of, tons of great content out there right now where you can find, um, whether it be instructors or just guys who play quite often or mini tour players or amateurs, and they will um, show you um, different um, drills you can do to work on that. And so basically I've been just following that. So I think a great point is to make sure that you're looking into these stuff, looking into this stuff, because there's plenty of drills and plenty of options for you to do at home. Um, um, To name just a few, like you mentioned, you are, working on putting on a rug. I mean, I'm working on grip and working on my takeaway. And this all continues to attribute to the mental game of golf again, because these are all things that you wouldn't normally focus on, but when you focus on them because you don't have time to get out there to the range or to the course, um, now you're just thinking about them more. And I think that will cause your game to to be better. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um... I think I think you're right on with that mental game point. I mean, we're we're driven to to actually get better. So something like this being confined to our houses, I mean, it's not necessarily going to stop us completely because we're still finding stuff to work on. There's guys on yeah. YouTube that have great drills, how to do this, how to do that, whatever you're working on, such as putting, chipping, uh, making sure your grip is correct. I think there's ways to stay That's a great golf point. ready to stay in a position where you could like go that. back out to the course yeah. and shoot a similar score to what you were used to shooting. Yes. Even though you may be a couple strokes worse or you may even be better because you may get some of that some of that muscle memory retained but all your bad habits may go away. Whatever your score may be, there's ways to stay golf ready and stay fit for playing that course. I think that's Dude, that's a great, mind great while point. Confined. I think um, we'll be a little bit rusty coming off of it. You may be a, a few strokes worse um, or, or a few strokes worse, but your mental game will be better than where it was before. Right. So so eventually you may, you may be a little bit rusty at first with with technique and just um, ball striking, but. In the end, I think after a few months of, of playing again, once we were able to play again, um, our game is going to be much better. Um, so I think we have that to look forward to. And so I think that's yep. really great. Um, as to, you know, kind of continuing with the intro golfer. And so we talked a little bit about mental game. We talked about shot shape and, and why we think it's okay to play a certain shot um, or why we think it's okay whether you have a cut or, or even whether you have a draw. What do you think for an intro golfer? Because most of the time what you see these guys guys playing is in these scrambles, right? Um, do, you, do you think it's benef- more beneficial for a player to play in a scramble 
or to play best ball or what do you think is the best style of play for somebody just starting out the game? So this is super relative. Everyone may have their own opinion on this, but I feel that so yes. scrambles make the game fun, right? You're out with your guys and you're, you're playing, you're playing golf to have fun. So your score is going to be a lot better because you got four opportunities or two opportunities, depending on how many you have on the team to play a, the best shot, each shot you take. So you're going to have a lot of a better score, especially if you're one of those higher handicapped golfers, those not as good golfers, you're going to have a lot more fun playing a scramble. But if you're going to actually try and dial in your game, maybe that might be a good introductory way to play. But I think even best ball, if you're trying to dial in your game and you're trying to play as a team still, best ball is definitely better That's because you're, you can still record your own score, but you're going to take the best, the best ball, the best hole out of those couple scores. Um, I mean, scrambles, yeah, they're fun. I may play them every once in a while, but if I'm trying to dial in my game, I'm trying to make sure I'm getting my own score. I'm trying to play the course on my own. I, I can agree each with individual you more ball. there. Um, you, you know, I started off, you know, that's the way everybody, all your buddies tend to want to play that way. All your weekend warriors, we, we call them. You know, they want to play scrambles because they don't want to have to admit the part of their games that are garbage. <laughs> you know, um, a couple of guys can't shift, some yep. guys can't drive the ball well, but if you come together as a team, we form Tiger Woods, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you play really well as a team, but I think it's so important to play either by yourself or play best ball because you can see what parts of your game are not that good. And, and you can improve those because you see what actually you need to work on. Um, and whether that be working on it through the, through the range or through the, through playing courses by yourself. Um, so I think playing a scramble in the beginning is great because it helps build self-confidence in what shots you're good at. And it helps you improve that mental game. Cause if you're really good at driver and you're in a, a scramble group and you're the only one who can get driver that well, or, or you're out driving all your buddies, and you go up to the next hole and you're you're going to hit bomb. You're going to hit a bomb because you're like, I'm so confident that I can do this. I'm better than all these guys. I'm going to hit a bomb. So it helps improve that self-confidence. But right. I think there comes a point when you need to either slow that down or stop that. And you need to start playing best ball or play play your own ball because then you can actually improve individually, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and I don't even – if you're starting out and you're trying to get better at the game, I don't even mind something yes. like taking a mulligan, right? Because it's it's teaching you – the bottom line is you're learning to play the course. You're learning course management, and that's another factor in golf. Not only swinging the ball nicely, having pretty decent technique, but keeping sure your mental game and then playing the course yes. because you could be super solid on your local course and then go to a really high-quality yeah. course and play exactly. absolutely awful or vice versa. So I think that's kind of where golf levels out is if you're playing on a course with someone who's really good but none of you know the course, you're pretty much even. You guys are going to be in the same boat. Your misses may both be just as bad as each other. I actually had an example of that. When we were playing um, in January before your wedding, we were playing with a guy who was really good, and we actually have him on a podcast. And we both kind of yeah. had a lot of misses, exactly. but that's because none of us knew the course. I feel like had he known the course, had I known the course, he would have outplayed me a lot because he, he's a great golfer. 
And so I feel like if we had gone back and played that course yeah. again, the score would be true. totally different. Um, that's very, very true. I think courses determine a lot of that. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's interesting that I, I think that attributes more to the mental game as well. So, you know, we're just kind of, kind of constantly contributing back to that, that um, knowing the course and, and having a home course and, and just being confident in your style of play. Um, I think you can score better that way. Um, but, but going more on your point about mulligans, um, you know, having that breakfast ball or having a mulligan um, in your bag or having a ball ready in your pocket, having another opportunity ready. Um, I think that's okay in the beginning. I agree with you completely. A lot of guys look down on that with shame, like, oh, I'm going to hit another ball. I, I just recently played um, a round with a, a guy who was a an assistant pro um, at a pretty pretty big private course um, called J.I. near me. And I was really, really pleasantly surprised because on the first tee, I had a horrible shot. I mean, I, I drop-kicked the ball. <laughs> it was not good. And, but basically, my nerves were so high because I'm playing with this, uh, with this pro. And uh, but, anyways, his first shot, he goes after me. I, I hit a horrible shot, and he hits one, and it's a a um, pretty much a complete pull, not even close to where he needed to be. And he was like, "Toss me another ball." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, and "He was like, toss me another ball." And I was like, "You're gonna you're gonna take another here? You just hit one." He's like, "Yeah, we're just we're just playing to improve." And so what a, what a great point, you know, he's a great kid. Um, I say kid, but he's a great guy for, because of that. Um, I think it's so important to take mulligans or to take a breakfast ball or, or to, to play in a scramble just because of that. It will improve you and you learn from your mistakes and you'll play a better shot and that'll just help to improve self-confidence. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line is being able to improve as a result of exactly. those games. Of course, we don't want to play them forever right. because we want to get to the point where we're scoring well, not playing mulligans because we're, we're not having to hit out of hazards or whatnot. But I think that getting ourselves started with the development, I think that's huge. And playing a little bit of an easier format like a scramble or whatever it may be, even taking a couple mulligans. I think that that contributes to that. I agree completely. 100%. So I think this is this has been a really good setup for for us for our first podcast. I mean, so basically we are three putt, and the reason the reason we're doing this is because we want to give you guys um, a perspective on golf that's not so in the normal of what we see on social media and the normal of what we see on society. Having to be this perfect player. Um, golf is not a perfect game. I'll say that again. Um, I, I think that we, we, we can play for the enjoyment of golf. And I think that we can play to get better, even if we're not playing to get better, to be a professional. Um, and I think that's super important to to just play to enjoy the game. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, the mental game of golf, um, how we can improve the mental game in our current state with coronavirus. Um, shot shape. Um I think playing a cut, and you agree, um, is okay. And I think playing a cut can even be beneficial, even with a world full of, uh, I, I say, a draw society where everyone preaches you should have a draw. Um, how courses can play an effect, um, and it all kind of contributes to a mental game. And then also why it's so important to play, or when it's important to play scrambles, um, why it's okay to play a mulligan, 
And then when you need to start playing um, your own ball and when you need to start playing best ball, um, I think that's all, that's all great, great points that, that you brought out and that we brought out. And so to finish, um, to kind of close out where we're at, I, I think it's always something that we're going to do. So we're going to bring up a point um, about two players and you have to pick between the two players of who you prefer, not necessarily um, who you like better, maybe, but who you, who you, who you prefer their game, um, just your pick. Okay. So I'm going to give it to you and here's the two. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's going to be Patrick Reed or Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> so we're going right in on this. Um, so I kind of have mixed views on both yeah. of these guys. Yeah, of course, they're great yeah. golfers because they're on tour. They're, they're, they score well. Um, I mean, guys like Patrick Reed, guys like DeChambeau, they're shooting good scores on a lot of these courses that they're playing, yeah. a lot of these uh, big tournaments that they're playing. Uh, for example, Patrick Reed just won the, the golf championship in Mexico. So exactly, I, yeah. I respect how good these guys are. However, if I'm going to pick one player to watch, I'm going to watch Patrick Reed, as controversial as that may be, because not only is he great, I'm rooting <laughs> against him. And I, I just – I don't respect that he cheats. I just – he is so good, and he is so good despite all the negative media that's surrounding his name. It's, it's just honestly incredible because he should be so much worse with all the controversy that's around his name, it does not get to him mentally. He just goes out and <laughs> very keeps true. on shooting these under par scores. Yeah, that's and really, he's just that winning. Is, yeah, it's incredible. I couldn't agree with you more. That's, that's very true. I mean, you have all this adversity, and then you still go out and play. You still go out and play lights out. Um, most of us would fall at that. But um, I agree with yeah. you completely. I think that's really, that's really good. So for you, um, we're going to go with a classic. We're going to go Tiger or Phil. And I would like a little bit of like why, because I think it's interesting when you pick one of these players considering okay, that they're okay. two so Tiger and Phil, we're jumping grades. right in. Um, okay, so this is – oh, my gosh. This is going to be really controversial. Um, I have a huge respect for Tiger's game. And I have a huge respect for what Tiger did for the game, for golf. And I think he's a great player, and I think he will always be a legend in the game. The only reason I'm going to take Phil here is because I can relate to him more, right? So, you know, I, I, it's not that I don't like Tiger. Phil has continued to adapt with the game and he's always been around right i think only take this for example um go back uh, a few years go back um a couple of years and you have tiger take him out of the scenario how many golfers would we see and be like wow these guys are 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 really good golfers right tiger was just so great in his time that it overshadowed all that but now we're at a point where the game of golf is constantly adapting. And whether that be through social media, whether that be through through the tours or new players coming on, 
And I think Phil has has continued to adapt to that, mainly with his his style of play. He's a very fun player to watch continually. Um, not that Tiger is not a fun player to watch, um, but I just have an appreciation for his game. It's the style of play that I would constantly want to play. Um, I would want to shape the ball certain ways like he does. Um, I would take driver off the deck like he does. I want to hit flop shots. I want to say I'm about to hit a bomb. Um, I want to work on my calves. <laughs> so, right. So I, I can just relate to him more <laughs> only through that aspect. Yeah. So that's why I'm taking him. If, if head to head, um, they're about to play each other. Like we may see in the future coming up. Um, I don't know who, <laughs> I don't know who I would take. Um, but strictly from this, um, who we're going to take point of view questions that we're going to always ask. I'm going to take Phil just because I can always, re- I can relate to him. Um, that's the style of play I think I would continue to want to play throughout time. Um, so that's my answer. I think that's really of cool. Course. Yeah. Yes, I mean, of, of course, course. Tiger is yep. ridiculously dominant. And he has he maybe has Correct. made the game of golf what it is today. Yep. But I do I do think a lot of people feel the same way about Phil. Like the people relate to him. He he's he's adapted with exactly. the game. His yep. game has changed as the game of golf has changed. And so I think that's really cool. <laughs> um, yep. and, and he hits bombs. Like that's awesome. He literally hits bombs, which has inspired oh, yeah. our favorite thing yes, to say when exactly. we're playing golf. Zach, so, you want to introduce that? Lucas and I have a, um, a thing that we do um, whenever we play, um, especially when we play together. Um, specifically on my wedding day, we played a round of golf before I got married. Yes, we did that. And uh, I would always say, I would say night-night ball. <laughs> and so... That's 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 gonna be our our um, our ending. So if you've made it this far, say night night ball to your next T one because you are fixing to bomb that ball off the T box. Night night just ball. crush it. Say night night ball. That ball is going to, to be a bomb. It is going to be a bomb. Guys, thank you for listening. This is the first episode of the Three Putt Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. We have lots more in store, so stay tuned. Night, night, Signing off for now, guys.